You're listening to the Hamilton Today podcast from 900 CHML. Over and above what is going on uh, in the world, a major meeting between Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and the leaders of the European Union begins uh, today in Newfoundland and Labrador's capital cities. Uh, and obviously the war unfolding uh, in Gaza between Israel and Hamas is going to be top of mind. But what else and and how does Canada move forward with all of this, considering where we are on the world stage? Arl Brown is with us, Professor of International Relations, Senior Member of the Monk School of Global Affairs, University of Toronto, and with us now. Arl, thank you for the time. I hope you're well. Thank you. Your thoughts on this meeting uh, with the EU, uh, what they hope to accomplish, and the Prime Minister's role here? This is a, a meeting with a very ambitious list uh, where there is a good deal in common, where in, in some cases consensus can be reached, but there are also going to be contentious issues. So there's a vast range from speaking about democratic values, about the international uh, uh, order, how to move to a rule-based order, to the economy, to climate, uh, whether it's climate change, biodiversity, pollution, uh, to energy, the use of hydrogen, and of course, key uh, international issues such as the Russian aggression against uh, Ukraine and the conflict uh, following the horrific attack by Hamas uh, and uh, the massacre they committed on October 7th and how that conflict uh, is unfolding. So there's a great deal to discuss. And on some of these, uh, I think there is likely to be some progress, but elsewhere, it will be very difficult to find solutions. Uh, Canada's position here, or even as host, uh, taking a bit of beating on the world stage of late, um, how will that translate to, to what goes on and what is accomplished this in these two days? I think Canada's uh, international image has suffered some blows. We got into a dispute with India uh, where we did not come out well and it remains unresolved. Our relations with China are at a uh, uh, low point. I think uh, that uh, even though we have spoken uh, very strongly about supporting Ukraine, we have not delivered as much as the Ukrainian had expected. And then the original very powerful support that it, uh, the, the government appeared to give to Israel uh, and the recognition that this was a just war, that seems to have eroded. And there may, may be some significant differences, let's say, between the approach that Canada has compared to that of Germany, of uh, Italy, and out of the EU, of course, uh, uh, the UK. Will Canada have to clarify its position on that issue here? I, I think uh, uh, if you're referring to the situation in Gaza, I think there yeah. is a need for clarification, not just in the case of Canada, but in, also in the case of Mr. Macron, who walked back some of his comments, because it is very understandable that it is a, a noble instinct to want to save lives. Any life lost is a tragedy in conflict, but this is what we have to look at intent. And when Mr. Trudeau said, well, yes, Israel has a right to defend itself, but not basically it causes casualties, which would be totally at variance with every other such conflict. If we look at Mosul, it took nine months to clean out ISIS, and uh, the American Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, said 
that uh, he fought ISIS and Hamas is worse than ISIS. And there appeared to be a consensus that Hamas has to be removed. So when there is this kind of suggestion that you can defend yourself, but basically do it with both hands tied behind your back or that there is some kind of magical solution, if mm. Mr. Trudeau has a magical solution, then he should share it both with the international community and with the Canadian people. What happens after the Hamas-Israeli conflict? Will there be any chatter of what comes out the other end of this? There is talk that what uh, the uh, Europeans and Canada will uh, probably agree on would be the need for a two-state solution. And again, this is not something new. We've been talking about this for a very long time. And the question is how to achieve this to have two states where both states uh, are able to pursue their interests without fear of being invaded or having atrocity committed against them. And let's not forget that between 1948 and 1967, there were no Israeli troops whatsoever, not a single one in Gaza, not a single one in the West Bank, not a single one in uh, Eastern Jerusalem. And there easily could have been a state but the Arabs had rejected that. Then every offer that was made, Camp David and elsewhere, was rejected. So uh, the desire to have a two-state solution is something that many people aspire to, but declarative statements alone are not enough. How do Palestinians separate themselves with Hamas and the reputation that it brings with it? This is the great danger. Uh, and this is what we need to recognize. And there was that kind of moral clarity at the beginning when uh, the five main democracies uh, made the statement where basically they said Hamas has to go and that Hamas does not represent the interests of the Palestinian people. So there has to be that kind of separation uh, and that uh, uh, there is a recognition that Hamas is not just uh, a terrible, terrible tragedy for Israel but it is also a disaster for the Palestinian people. And consequently, any kind of settlement that would in some form allow Hamas to stay would be catastrophic for everyone involved. And this is where we have to be very careful about having pauses where obviously we'd like to see these innocent hostages who suffered so terribly released. Uh, it's a, an illegal act in any uh, interpretation of international law. But at the same time, we have to look at the big picture exactly to what you were speaking about is how do the Palestinian people move on with their lives freed from Hamas, which the democratic states had declared that Hamas had brought nothing but bloodshed and terror to the Palestinian people, not just to the Israelis, but to the Palestinian people. Why are we positioning this as Palestinians versus Israelis when really it's democracy and freedom versus terror and non-democracy, authoritarianism, what have you? Isn't that really not the discussion here? It's, it's an excellent question, and, and uh, uh, it's very puzzling why there's not that kind of recognition, because Hamas has done uh, uh, terrible damage to the Palestinian people. Hezbollah has done terrible uh uh, pain and, and damage to the people of Lebanon. The Houthis uh, uh, have caused havoc in, in Yemen. And there's Iran, the center of uh, uh, terror in the world, which uh, has used the, these organizations as proxies. So logic would tell us that we would need to understand 
that this fight against terror is not some isolated incident, but it is something that affects all of us. Uh, and consequently, it is essential to keep that in mind. But when we see Hamas using human shields and we see the loss of life uh, and uh, children dying, then it is a natural instinct for us to say that we would just like this to stop. Uh, but that plays into the hands of Hamas because they don't care about their own people. When they were asked, mm. why do not uh, make sure that uh, your people have food and, and, and fuel? And they said, well, that's not our job. Somebody else is to take care of the education and the feeding and the medical care of the population while they built uh, tunnels and rockets and, uh, and uh, trained uh, terrorists uh, uh, how to uh, create havoc uh, uh, both within Gaza, but especially in Israel. So um, the Hamas propaganda has been effective. This is what terrorists have been very good at because they cynically use their own populations uh, and they don't care about uh, mm. their own people. They haven't built any shelters to protect the people of Gaza. They built shelters, tunnels to protect the rockets they're firing. Harold Brown with us, Professor of International Relations, Senior Member of the Monk School of Global Affairs, University of Toronto, talking about world events. As always, Harold, we could talk forever. Thanks for your time. Be well. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Hamilton Today podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday afternoons from 3 to 6 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com.